0: In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be Heavenly Father, I do not have the words of life. You alone speak words that are true and life-giving, and I pray you would speak through me to build up your people in the knowledge and love of your truth, of your gospel, and of yourself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when we hear these familiar verses, in my Father's house, there are many rooms, we think of heaven. And that's right. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching on. But I think we miss how this, these, uh, this teaching is about heaven, and if we don't slow down a little and sort of track the, the thought progress, the logical steps as it were, the, the way in which Jesus is teaching about heaven, we end up with a kind of impoverished view of heaven. Um, I think for a while I would hear these verses, and if I confess, it sounded a, a little bit of a boring picture, like just this big house with lots of rooms, like, what do we do there? And there's even that, like, funny song that was kind of popular in the early 2000s about, like, playing football in heaven. Do you know that one? Like, right. It's like, I think that's, trying to, that's actually filling the gap for, this doesn't sound that great, but I think it's because the picture is getting missed of what exactly Jesus is teaching on. So that's what I want to unpack. The, um, what he's teaching, what he's saying, is built on temple imagery, which would have been more familiar to the first hearers Less familiar to us, so I want to kind of unpack a little bit the temple imagery. So, when Jesus says, my father's house, he's not just talking about a home, right? Who, he, who Jesus calls father is the living God, is Yahweh. And so, we can substitute out, what is his father's house? It's God's house. And hopefully then that clicks. Oh yeah, that's the ordinary way in which the temple is referred to throughout the Old Testament. The house of God, the house of the Lord, the Lord's house. He's talking about the temple, in the temple are many rooms. So, to be clear, when Jesus was saying this, it was the night before he died. It's the discourse right after the, they'd received the Lord's Supper for the first time. Um, and about a half mile away from where Jesus was sitting was the temple, right, the actual temple. The temple that um, had begun when God brought Moses up onto Mount Sinai 1,500 years before, and it says in Exodus, he gave him a glimpse of the heavenly temple and says to Moses, go build one like this. And so Moses does, right? And the very first iteration of this sort of copy of the heavenly temple was a tent. I I always do it like that. No, it's a kind of squarish tent. Which, if you've been following along the Daily Office readings, we spent a lot of weeks hearing about every finial made of silver. And this temple first it was called the tabernacle temple interchangeable words um it was the meeting place between god and man it was the place where god said this is where you meet me and this is where i will accept your sacrifices and it will be the true worship that he has prescribed and from a sort of a humble dwelling of goatskins and woven cloth Um, that temple had gone undergone a number of changes in the 1500 years between Moses and that night when Jesus was talking about it in John 14. Specifically changes as well as just the structure getting more durable materials it went from cloth to stone under the reign of Solomon Um, it also acquired rooms and so what we see is early on priests would make tents in the temple compound. This is, when you think about the boy Samuel. says he was sleeping in the temple. It doesn't mean he was sleeping in the Holy of Holies. He was sleeping in the temple compound. It's a little priest tent to be like right there to, to minister day and night. Which, when Solomon builds the temple 500 years after Moses first constructs it, he actually builds into the walls of the very enclosure of the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies chambers partly for storage, partly for the priests to to sleep, to to dwell while they're doing their priestly service. So the temple gets these rooms, and on the other side of the wall would be the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. So that temple that Solomon built, just to kind of like sidetrack a little bit, just to kind of temple history, that temple gets destroyed by the Babylonians in 586. Seventy years later, according to the prophecy that God spoke through Jeremiah, seventy years later it gets rebuilt by Zerubbabel. But the second temple is pitiful compared to the first. It's so meager that when it gets finished, it says all the elders who witnessed the first one start crying. Partly for joy because they're glad to have a temple, but partly like, oh, but this is the temple? It was teeny tiny by comparison. So Herod the Great decides it needs a big facelift. 20-odd years before Jesus was born. And so he beefs it up and he makes the um, perimeter of the temple uh, four times larger than Solomon's court. It was this massive compound, which we saw that one of the stones of, if you were there for Linda's presentation last Sunday. And in that sort of wall, there was booths and sort of places for lodging and trade. And so there's this expansion of dwelling places. And there's even one other reference to this temple that in Ezekiel, in that 70 years when there was no temple, the prophet Ezekiel gets a vision of a huge temple, 12 times the size of Solomon's temple, way bigger than Herod's temple. And in the vision, one of the things that is given in the vision is there's rooms all around the holy place, and there's tons of rooms all in the giant walls. There's just rooms everywhere around the temple so that people can live and breathe and participate fully with their lives in the worship that's taking place there. That's the picture. That's the backdrop when Jesus says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. He's dovetailing into something that they knew was already the case in the temple, but more specifically to this prophecy of Ezekiel, that we'll come to live in a place of worship. And this has a number of um, meaningful teachings kind of spun into it. Because in the, under the Old Covenant, the only people who could live in the temple were the priests. You had to be a son of Aaron. But in this vision, it's not just the sons of Aaron. None of us are blood descendants of Aaron. I don't think any of us even have any Jewish blood. We're Gentiles. But this picture in my father's house there are many rooms. is this idea, the seed idea, which the Spirit would lead Peter to unpack in his letter, that we are a priesthood. All Christians are a priesthood, a royal priesthood. We all participate in the worship, the true worship of God that he's called us into. And where we worship is the very body of Jesus. Remember when Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up and he's talking about his body. He's saying this thing that is made of stones, this is a copy. This was like the sort of the preface The real thing is his body, which we are part of now, which lives in heaven, which we will live in him forever in heaven. So that's what we see the first meaning of when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. You ought to become a part of the royal priesthood of God in the true temple of God. And I will come again and will take you to myself. It's a second coming teaching, right? When he comes again. Will take us to himself. And in a way we're getting kind of a different language to describe the resurrection. Jesus is the only one raised in his immortal body now. One day we too will be raised in our immortal bodies. But we can also describe this by place. He's the only one, the only human being in the Godhead right now. But we will be with him where he is. He will come and take us to be where he is. Where he is we may be also. We'll be like him and we'll be where he is. And so this kind of this points us then to the end game of the Easter message, that Jesus died, that he was raised from the dead for the forgiveness of sins, to ransom a people for himself. For what? For worship as the royal priesthood of God. For worship together with our risen head. And really what we're doing now in church, what we're doing right now this very hour, we are practicing and patterning and habituating ourselves to our eternal life. what we do now, this is what we're going to do forever. We'll be much better at it, much less distracted, much more full of joy, much more focused. But this is actually a foretaste, our practicing ground for eternity. Worship. Our eternity is an eternity of worship. In the Father's house there are many rooms. Room for all the angels, for all the ransomed saints who are there already for ourselves by his mercy that together in dwelling in the worship place of God the very body of Jesus we will worship God Father Son and Holy Spirit forever amen